Welcome to the Dr. Daph Show. Today, I have a very dynamic, beautiful guest with me, Jessica Nabongo. Jessica Nabongo is a global citizen, master storyteller, and travel expert who is the first Black woman to have traveled to every country in the world. Named one of the 50 most notable people in travel by Travel and Leisure, Jessica uses her platforms to educate and inspire others to experience the world around them and build a global community with an emphasis on bringing untold stories to the world, whether in books, interviews, or social media. Her first book, The Catch Me If You Can, One Woman's Journey to Every Country in the World, published by National Geographic, was an instant bestseller. A first-generation American, Jessica was born and raised in Detroit by Ugandan parents. She attended St. John's University in New York, where she earned a degree in English literature, later completing a graduate degree at the London School of Economics. She is also the founder of the lifestyle brand The Catch. When she's not on a plane, she is home tending to her plans in Detroit, Michigan. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And congratulations <laughs> on all of your accomplishments. Thank you. Mainly being the first Black woman to travel the world and your best-selling book. Oh, thank you. That so is much. incredible. Thank you. Absolutely incredible. Now, with your book, you documented 100 countries that you traveled to. So you didn't document all of them. I did not. <laughs> which, which a lot of people are not happy about, but like what's done is done. <laughs> How did you choose which 100 you were going to focus on in the book? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I was really intentional with it. Um, and I chose a lot of places that are special to me, but also a lot of places that a lot of people don't hear positive stories about. So think about countries like Afghanistan, South Sudan, Iran, um, a lot of African countries. Um, the book is major like Africa has the most countries in the book. And a lot of it is about like changing the narrative because this is National Geographic, right? So when we think about the travel canon of literature, it's really National Geographic for the last more than a century, you know? So to be able to have that opportunity, knowing that we were also going to use my photography in it, it was really important that I chose places that were a little more um, off the beaten path, if you will. That's actually wonderful because a lot of times when you hear people want to travel somewhere, normally it's to like a European country or an island. Mm -hmm. Most people don't even think to go anywhere in Africa. And most mm -hmm. people don't know much about countries in Africa. Exactly. Right? So it's mm -hmm. really great that you thought about it in that perspective mm -hmm. in terms of like all of the different elements that it was going to bring for like a long lasting statement. Yeah. So when you say you visited every country, does that include North Korea? It does. That's probably the, the country <laughs> everyone asks about. But have you been to North Korea? Yes. I've been to North Korea. Uh, <laughs> I spent six days there. Six days. So what was that like for you? Um, you know, the thing about North Korea is that it's, the most surprising thing was how normal it felt in many ways. Like, of course, you know, there's no advertisement, so it feels like very drab, if you will. Um, but there's lots of colorful buildings and you really get a sense of people are there living. Of course, they're under a very oppressive regime. Um, but like you see people in grocery stores, people riding bikes. Um, we saw children on field trips. So the thing that really stood out was how normal it was, like seeing couples taking wedding pictures and stuff like that. Right. So mm -hmm. they looked 
They looked normal. They looked at peace. They didn't look like they were being oppressed. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. They're being oppressed. Right. But <laughs> you, they I mean, look. But, right, exactly. <laughs> we're being oppressed here. Like, <laughs> oppression has many different faces. Yeah, that, that <laughs> you know. So let's just take it back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. When you were a child, is travel something that you always saw yourself doing? Yeah, I mean, it's something that I've been doing since I was a child. So um, my parents love to travel. They're from Uganda. And um, my first international trip was to Canada. I'm from Detroit. So like Canada is literally across the river, um, but it still counts as a different country. So that was my first international trip. And then um, second was to London on the way to Uganda for the first time when I was six to see family. So yeah, I've been flying since I was really little. I've been traveling across seas since I was really little. So it's just something my parents instilled in, into my life. It, it was a regular part of my life. So every summer we went somewhere, whether it was like an American road trip, camping, um, Ugandan North American conferences, whatever it was, we always vacationed. Mm-hmm. And so I brought that into my adulthood and then like obviously took it a little bit further. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now here we are, 195 countries and like 10 territories later. <laughs> wow. You know, a lot of times, especially as Africans who immigrated here or even as African-Americans, travel is is a luxury and a lot of families aren't able to experience that or mm-hmm. even see it as a priority. Mm-hmm. So growing up as a child, did your parents make it a point to say, okay, every year we're going to go on vacation because I want you to see this? Or was it just something that was part of their interest? Or was it like a job that your parents had where... No, I think it was their interest. And I mean... Um... Yeah, I think they just like to vacation. They just like to vacation. <laughs> because yeah. like sometimes they left us at home and they went on vacation with their friends. So I think, you know, one thing that I got from my parents and I think my dad in particular is like live life well. You know, my dad, he, both of my parents actually, but always dress well, um, enjoyed. My parents hosted a lot of parties in our home growing up and they would go to their friends' houses for parties all the time. And I just feel like my parents lived. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They worked, of course, but I didn't feel, I, neither of my parents were workaholics, right? I didn't look up and like, oh, one parent is always at work. No, like they worked during the day, they came home. Um, but I feel like they really put an emphasis on living life well. And that's what I do now. I love that. Mm-hmm. And I love that you're able to to see that and embrace that yourself. You have siblings? I do. I have two older sisters. Oh, so you're the baby. I'm the baby. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Do they like to travel as much as you do? Yeah, they do. They definitely don't travel as much as I do. They both have two kids. Um, but we all, we're all just a traveling family. Mm-hmm. Like next it's week, we're blood. all going together. <laughs> um, well, my one sister lives in Orlando, but my uh, mom and my sister and her kids are going to Orlando and I'm going to fly in. So That's we travel together like at least once a year. Oh, so. still? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> like, you know, because it's funny because... In the age of social media, mm-hmm. some people are like, oh, do it for the gram. I'm like, nope, been doing it. You know what I mean? Like before I had Instagram, I'd been to over 30 countries. Um, and again, it's something that me and my family, we still do. Like we all went to New Orleans for my sister's 50th birthday last year. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to Orlando now, but then in May, we're all going to Uganda together. So it's still very much a part of um, like something that bonds us all together. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. When you began traveling by yourself as mm-hmm. an adult, mm-hmm. at what point did you say, I would like to see the entire world? 
Did you start small? Did you just start within the States? Mm -hmm. Or did you always feel comfortable traveling alone internationally? Well, so I remember the first time I flew across the Atlantic alone. So it was 2007. Um, I was working... Was that? Yeah, that was 2007. Um, I was working like a corporate job. I was working for a pharmaceutical company. And for Thanksgiving, I decided to go to London, Madrid, and Paris. So I had friends and family in London. I had a friend who was doing a Fulbright in Madrid. And that friend we were meeting in Paris. So that was my first time flying across the Atlantic alone. And I remember it's like eight hours from Detroit. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do on the plane by myself? This is so crazy. (laughs) Um, And it was fine, you know. And and I got there and I had a ton of fun in London. Now, getting to Paris was not easy. And that damn city and those people. (laughs) I love Paris. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, but. But I was not ready for what it had to offer when I actually got there and saw, like, the actual ins and outs of things. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's a little bit of a, a rough start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was tough. Like, my friend was meeting me there. This is 2007, so there aren't, like, smartphones, you know? So, it, I mean, yeah, no, there were no smartphones. I think the iPhone came out that year. Um, so I remember having to send him an email on a computer in the terminal, <laughs> like, okay, I don't know where you are. Oh. I booked this hotel. Meet me at this hotel, the Meridian, uh, near the Champs-Élysées. I was like, okay, let's just stay here. Um, and so I took the train and people were just so mean. And I speak French, but, you know, at that time, my accent was probably terrible, but the words were correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just really tough. But once I survived that, I was like... Okay, I can go anywhere by myself. Um, then my friend finally met up with me and we had a good time. Um, <laughs> so Paris is what did it to you. Paris, ooh, out. <laughs> but as far as like visiting every country in the world, so I'm a geography nerd and I've been super interested in geography since I was young. Um, and so I moved to Japan in 2008 and I started a blog. And really it was around then like being more exposed to more people in the world. Japan was like, I think my... Eighth, no, maybe my 10th country that I visited. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to meet people from all over the world and your brain, like your thoughts just become way more expansive of what's possible. Yes. You know, now, okay, less than 300 people on the planet have been to every country in the world. But just being outside of the United States living, that was the first time I lived abroad, it just expanded my idea of possibilities. And so I actually, when I left Japan, um, I decided I didn't want to work. And so I had saved money. And so I traveled for nine months around the world. And I started my blog, thecatchmeifyoucan.com, back in 2009. And that's what brought me here. Wow. So, you know, you said you stayed at these hotels and you saved up money. Most people, when they think of travel, one of the things that stops them from going is money, finances, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. feeling like, of course, I would love to stay at the Laverdian and I would love to go to Madrid and Spain and all of these things. But it's like... How am I going to be able to afford this? Mm-hmm. Especially when people feel like they have to travel with other people. Sometimes they may feel like they can afford it, but their friends can or their partner can. Or mm-hmm. And so it's like, well, I'm not going to go alone mm-hmm. or I can't afford to go at all. How did you? Yeah, so I think part of it is like managing your own expectations and your own budgets, right? And But you have to prioritize it. So obviously, if you just simply have no extra money, then like, 
you know, you have to find a way to make more money. But mm-hmm. to me, it's like, you have to look at how are you spending your money in your current life? Right. That's what it is to me. Like, you may be able to cut back somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing is to travel just means to leave your home, right? Like, you don't have to go somewhere far. You can get in a car and go two hours away. Like, last weekend, I did a staycation. I drove one hour to a nice hotel, mm-hmm. you know, so Where'd that... I went to the to Westlake Village. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I went to the Four Seasons there. And so it's like, you know, you can do smaller things. It doesn't have to be the Four Seasons. Whatever it is, find something that's close to you. We live in the United States, one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Go to a national park. That's not too expensive, you know? And you're going to feel like you're somewhere else. You're out in nature. So to me, it's like, start small, Mm -hmm. but just do something close to home. It doesn't have to be the big trip. You know, if you start and you're like, I want to go to Paris. That's going to be a lot more daunting for you versus I'm going to go to this national park two hours from my house. So I would recommend to just start small and just build up. The other thing I always say is chase the deal, not the destination. There's Mm -hmm. so many flight deal websites now where you can get alerts every single day. I get them in my inbox every day and you can find cheap flights. Like, you know, it might be New York to Paris for 300 bucks. You know, so and some of those websites are theflightdeal.com, airfarespot.com, and secretflying.com. So you can subscribe to those websites and you'll get these deals. So if you just want to go somewhere, Mm -hmm. you know, when that deal comes in for your city, just like book that trip and then figure out the other pieces. Um, But there's so many ways to like get cheaper hotels, stay in hostels. Hostels are affordable, Mm -hmm. Um, but you have to do what makes sense for your budget. So I would say if you've never traveled and you're concerned about money, you shouldn't be thinking about staying at the Four Seasons. You know what I mean? You should be thinking about doing something that makes sense for your budget and still allows you to explore the world around you. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have the budget or the means at the moment, you can always start planning just by researching places and just getting the things into your mind and allowing it to become a reality for you. Yeah, but the, the thing is, what I'm saying is like, it's great to aspire to want to do like, okay, I want to stay the Four Seasons. That's a great aspiration. But don't get stuck and do nothing mm-hmm. because you can't afford the Four Seasons today. That's true. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can put that on your vision board, but that doesn't mean you can't do anything until you can afford that. You can do so much more mm-hmm. and that can be like, you know, a 10-year, 20-year goal. But don't waste today because you can't afford what you want. You know what I mean? Just pay for, like, you know, pay for the thing that you can afford. That's okay. That's necessary. You know, years ago, before vlogging was popular, I used to go out, like, in my early 20s by myself. Every weekend, I would go to, like, a different restaurant in Beverly Hills. I did not live in Beverly Hills. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But I would go there, and I would have dinner by myself, some wine. I would just sit down and just take in the scene and I started vlogging it during a time where people didn't vlog. So people were looking at me like I was crazy. But people were always so shocked that I was alone. And Mm -hmm. they would say, how do you do that? How do you go to these places by yourself? Aren't you lonely? Aren't you afraid people are staring at you? What if people think that someone stood you up? I mean, people would have real fears when I would talk to people about going alone to like a movie or... And forget travel. I mean, just a restaurant is too much for people to do by themselves. How do you stay confident Mm -hmm. when you're traveling alone to not feel like, oh, poor me, I'm by myself? 
Yeah, I mean, for me, like, for me, I know I have a beautiful community around me. Like, I have friends, I have family. And if I want to do something today, I'm not waiting for anyone else. Because what if I wait for you and you say, okay, let's do it on Wednesday. And Wednesday comes and you cancel. And now I'm not going to go. And then you're like, okay, well, let's reschedule for two weeks out. So now I'm waiting another two weeks. And then you might cancel again. And then I just never go and do the thing. To me, I'm like, I'm going to go and do the thing. Mm -hmm. So go, do the thing. Um, (laughs) You know what I mean? So I love that you did that. And the thing is, we have got to stop worrying about other people. Who cares if people are staring at you? Why does that bother you? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, why does that bother you? Do you stare at people? Maybe that's why it bothers (laughs) you that people are staring at you. Um, But to me, I... I don't worry about that. To me, I'm just trying to experience life as fully as I can. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just trying to enjoy the present moment. All of those things don't matter. And that fear that people have, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. Mm-hmm. I joke with my tennis coach. Every time I see him, I'm like, every day I'm getting older. <laughs> True. You know, but it's true. Like, <laughs> I'm never... Tomorrow, I will not be younger than I am today. Right. Every single day, time is passing, and I can never get that back. Mm-hmm. I can make as much money as I want to make, but I can never get my time back. It doesn't matter how rich you are. You could never get your health back. You're probably healthier. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. In many ways, you're healthier today than you will be tomorrow. So all of those things you have to consider. So it's like, what kind of life do you want to live today? What kind of life do you want to live tomorrow? What can you do today to prepare for that? But you have to live today. In talking about traveling solo or with other people, out of all the countries you visited, did you travel most of them by yourself or with other people? It's actually close to 50-50. So I've done 89 of 195 countries solo. Wow. So a little under 50%. Wow. And which do you prefer? Oh, traveling solo or with friends? Um, You know... I like both Mm -hmm. for different reasons. I feel like when I travel solo, I get more of a cultural deep dive because like I'm spending more time with local people and I'm really like, it's just me and them, you know? Um, But there's something I love about traveling with friends. I travel with my friends a lot. Um, That shared experience, those shared memories, like we still, (laughs) we have so many memories from so many countries. Um, And so it's nice to have those reflective shared memories. But um, so I love both of them for different reasons. Yeah, you're right. There are pros and cons depending on who you're with and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you're going. When people are traveling with friends, sometimes things that can come up are like disagreements on like what you want to do. Do you plan all of that out beforehand or do you wait until you get there and say, okay, how are we feeling today? What do you Mm want to do? Yeah, so for me, I do what I want to do. Um, I mean, I'm a good team player and <laughs> like I'll definitely go with the flow, but also I'm like, it's my vacation. So if I don't want to do something, I don't feel the pressure to do it. Okay. I think a lot of people do feel the pressure to do what the group wants to do, but you don't have to set yourself free. Um, so if I'm planning a trip, like I do birthday trips, I'm planning this trip to Uganda for my birthday. And I like to leave a lot of free time so people can go do what you want to do. So sometimes the group stays together. Sometimes you got one or two people going to do their own thing. But I'm like, let's just have some free time. So there'll be scheduled activities like, you know, some cultural things or, you know, hopefully guerrilla checking. But um, for the most part, I try to keep it very flexible and just allow everyone to do what they want to do. Some people 
want to focus on food. Some people want to do art in museums or some people want to do adventure. And it's like, mm-hmm. we don't all have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Like, you know that's, what I mean? That's a good perspective, though. Yeah. Because people sometimes don't want to do something or like you said, like it's jam-packed with activities and that can be stressful sometimes. Yeah. Like sometimes you just want a few days just to relax. And then if there's an argument or something that happens during the trip, you don't want the whole thing to get ruined. Exactly. You know, you know and I've heard, let me tell you, I've heard about some of these trips Ooh, like nightmare trip. i am so thank you universe for mm. the people you've brought into my life um because for me like i don't like there's maybe been like a spat or two but nothing that like made the trip horrible mm-hmm. like a memory where i'm just like oh my god that was just the worst trip ever i just haven't had that that's actually really good because that happens quite often i've heard no it, i've heard and it's a disaster because it's like you traveled and now you have this this bad taste in your mouth with this person that you can't get away from. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I mean, like, even, um, it's funny. So my last country was the Seychelles and there was like 53 people. And so people are like, how many people are going? I'm like, oh, it's like 53. People are like, oh my God, that's too many people. I'm like, you'll be fine. And they're like, who all's going? I'm like, oh, we don't do that for my trips. We don't do the who all going to be there. Why? Why not? Because you'll be fine. Because I always curate dope energy. Okay. So it's like no one ever has to be concerned. And that was an amazing trip. No one felt like there were over 50 people there. So many people made new friends. Okay. Um, and it was it was phenomenal. My mom and some of her friends came and my sisters and some of their friends came. And it was like, and it was this beautiful collection of all of our friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it was phenomenal. Do you ever do traveling like with the travel groups? You know how there's like groups sometimes that yeah. will travel like in Europe and that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Have you ever done that? No. no. <laughs> I used to host them. Oh, um, okay. But I don't. Do you don't them. participate in that? I do not. I think that might be a good thing for people who are nervous about traveling Absolutely. By I think there's, and there are so many resources, whether you want to specifically travel with Black groups or you're just open. There are so many groups um, travel programs and companies. And I think it's great if you don't want to travel alone and your friends are, you know, dragging their feet. <laughs> yeah. Just go with other people. And plus, then you'll meet new people who like to travel and then you might meet someone and then you guys travel together. That was one of the best things. So I used to run a travel company called Jet Black. And we did Jet Black jaunts to a bunch of different countries. And my favorite thing to hear from my guests were like, oh, they made a friend and then those two people ended up traveling together somewhere else. That's actually so great. Yeah. Can you explain when you said gorilla trekking? What is that? Oh, gorilla trekking. So um, mountain gorillas are found. Um, they're the remaining mountain gorillas in the world are in the Demo- Democratic Republic of Congo, Rwanda, and Uganda. And so in those countries, you can get with guides or whatever and like go trekking into the mountains and come face to face with like small families of gorillas. Wow, that is so interesting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't done it yet, but my plan is to do it in May. Okay. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited to hear about your experience. (laughs) That sounds scary. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, they're like us. Like, don't make them mad and it'll be good. (laughs) Well, as a Black woman and just as a woman, really, traveling solo, safety always comes up, right, Mm -hmm. as a concern. I mean, that's really anywhere, but especially if you feel like you're by yourself in a place where you don't know anyone, you don't have family there. What are some ways that you can try to prepare for safety before you travel? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for me, it starts with like positive energy. 
You know, I go into everything and I'm not concerned about my safety. Like, I'm not like... You're not worried. I'm not worried because the thing is that worried energy, you're dragging it to you, right? Mm -hmm. And then something happens and you're like, I knew something was going to happen. It's like, because you asked for it to happen. You literally asked the universe to make something bad happen to you. You know what I mean? But for me, I go, I'm light. I have a light heart. I have light energy. I'm super positive. And I go into everything thinking, this is going to be amazing. And like, usually it's pretty good. Now, of course, you know, there are some bad things that can happen. But to me, it's like women, we have our intuition. When something feels not quite right, make that U-turn and get out of there. You know, like you're going to feel that energy. Like, so to me, it's like, yeah, I keep my spidey senses going Mm -hmm. and keep my wits about me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I really don't focus on that. So I never drag it to me. But practically speaking, for me, Mm -hmm. I think hostels are amazing, especially if you're traveling alone because you have a instant community. Um, For me, if I'm traveling solo, I prefer to stay at hotels like versus an Airbnb, for example. Um, Because... You have the concierge there. You can ask for whatever. But also at night, you don't have to unlock a door. Mm -hmm. You can go right in. There's somebody in the lobby. Even if you're like running in screaming like, ah, help me. You know, there's people in the lobby. So I prefer that for me if I'm traveling solo. Um, But yeah, so I would just say, you know, keep your wits about you. The other thing I would say is traveling solo, go somewhere where you know you'll feel confident. You know what I mean? So, and I think to feel confident, you need to be comfortable. Mm -hmm. So pick a place where you, especially if it's your first solo trip, go somewhere where you're like, okay, I know I can feel comfortable there. Maybe I speak the language or whatever it is. I know a lot of people who have been there. So feel comfortable because when you're comfortable, you're going to be confident. And when you're confident, you're less vulnerable. That's true. You know what I mean? Because then you're like, you're walking down the street with your head held high. Right. Because if you're uncomfortable and you're kind of like questioning, then you become more vulnerable. You stand out. Yeah, exactly. And people, you know, they can smell that energy. That's right. Even giving people too much information when Mm -hmm. you travel. Mm -hmm. Let's say you meet a guy like at a party or at a club or something like that, right? And you're like, oh, I'm here by myself. You know, I traveled alone and that kind of thing. Or even in a a taxi or just, you know, just giving too much information, Mm -hmm. I think can open you up. Mm-hmm. to different issues depending on who you're dealing with. Of course, mm-hmm. using your intuition and, and knowing what you can and can't share, but just being mindful because mm-hmm. sometimes uh, women, you know, when we travel, we may be in a place, maybe drinking mm-hmm. or just, you know, inebriated to where we're not fully thinking about all of mm-hmm. the different factors and giving out all of that information where they're staying and how long they're going to be there and how no one knows that they're here and all that kind mm-hmm. of thing can, mm-hmm. can open you up. So I think just kind of going in, knowing some things that you just should be aware of that, you know, you probably might feel comfortable doing at home. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I also think we overestimate how many bad things happen in the world. You know, I want to say that too, Mm. right? It's not that most women who travel abroad, something bad happens to them. In fact, it's a very tiny percentage. So I also want to just like put that out there. Like the chances of something bad happening to you is really slim. So I agree, like you can, you know, don't say too much. But I also don't want people to like travel and feel like, is someone going to get me? Oh, I don't want to tell this person that or they might get me. Or like you you tell somebody something, you're like, you're creating this fear because you're like, oh no, I shouldn't have told them that. And ah, are they going to, then you're like up at night, you're like, oh, they know I'm here. You know, so I don't want people to like wind themselves up either. Like bad things happen Mm -hmm. very rarely. 
That's good to know. Very, though. very rarely. I mean, you can, I mean, I don't recommend people look at crime statistics, but if you must, um, it's so rare, mm-hmm. you know, and we we overemphasize it. And I hate it because I feel like the patriarchy wants women to be afraid all the time. And granted, like, I think we definitely, especially in America for me, and obviously this is where I live right now, we walk with more fear than men, for sure, right? We walk around with the heaviness of, like, trying to navigate survival every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would like to offer you all a little bit of freedom. Just just relax a little bit. Like, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay to meet people. Yeah. Just relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, the, the biggest lesson that I learned traveling to every country in the world is that most people are good. Like, the vast majority of human beings mm-hmm. are good people. I did 89 countries solo because of the kindness of strangers, you know? Countries like South Sudan and Somalia and Af- not, no, I wasn't solo in Afghanistan, and Iran. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've been solo on six continents. Nothing bad has ever happened to me. You know what I mean? Because of the kindness of strangers, because of the kindness of the taxi driver who didn't rob me, <laughs> you know? They just picked me up, took me where I was going. They didn't want to bring me harm because of the kindness of people in the street. I was in Russia and I'm like trying to find these embassies. I don't speak Russian, but I I had my phone and I'm like, here, I need to get here. And, you know, people were super helpful. Now, people have thoughts about Russia and Black people. And I'm like, nah, I had a great time. Like, actually, energy was cool. Mm -hmm. People were really nice to me. And I couldn't have done what I needed to do without the kindness of Russian people in Moscow. So... To me, I just want us to like remember most people are good. Because if you think about your life every day, mm-hmm. you do not have a negative interaction with a human being every day. No. If you really think about it, you dial in. Maybe like once a week or maybe twice a week, something happens that might annoy you or something. But it's also not anything real crazy. Now, sure, one bad thing can happen and then like it traumatizes you or whatever. But I think we have to try to focus more on the good because mm-hmm. we're so focused on the negative And it's like, but all your friends went to whatever and nothing happened to them. So why are you so hyper-focused on the possibility of something negative happening to you? Mm-hmm. I just want us to like release that. Be aware, but mm-hmm. stop focusing on the possibility of something bad happening to you. Yeah, because it really does hold you back from, from living life, truly. It holds you back. You won't mm-hmm. do anything. You're mm-hmm. always worried about all of that. Exactly. And now you're just at home, bored, doing nothing. Mm-hmm. But safe when there's okay. stuff down the street happening. Exactly <laughs> in your exactly. own in your own That's neighborhood. Not the other thing, like <laughs> there is stuff down the street happening in your own neighborhood. Y'all go ahead. It's just, true. just go. You'll be fine. Ghana is where I'm from originally. My family is from, and it's the country, one of the countries in West Africa that people come back saying that they are just so moved by the kindness of the people there. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like in Ghana? I love Ghana. Like, I've been to <laughs> Ghana, I don't know how many times, oh, but I was just times. there in January. Um, yeah. yeah, I love Ghana. I love Ghanaian people. Um, some of my really good friends are Ghanaian. I just, I always have a good time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, like, these are places I go to frequently. So I feel like I'm at home. You know what I mean? Like, I have my community there and I'm like, oh, I'm at home. Like, I go get Kelewele on the street. Uh, like, I, you know, <laughs> go to the market. Um, so I love it. That's a beautiful thing. And when you go to these different places, you're able to make these connections with local people and just be able to say, oh, I know people in this country and mm-hmm. that country. And that's really nice. Too. Yeah, for sure. How do you navigate the language barriers? Because that can be tricky 
if mm-hmm. a person wants to travel somewhere and they don't speak the language, there may be some intimidation to make them feel like, you know, maybe I shouldn't go there because I won't be able to communicate my needs. Yeah. First of all, we speak English. Mm-hmm. So in every country in the world, you will find someone that speaks English. So one thing I recommend is like finding like someone like 12 to 15. That's a sweet spot because they're learning English in school. So maybe Uh older people in that country might not speak English, but you're going to find people who speak English everywhere. And the places that most people are going to go, you're definitely going to find someone who speak English. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, if you're a more intrepid traveler and you want to go like more off the beaten path, like for sure, for example, Francophone Africa can be tough. Um, especially places that are, like, less visited by non-Francophone speakers. Um, so, like, Senegal, someone asked me recently, like, can I go to Senegal if I don't speak English or French? And I'm like, you can. Mm-hmm. Of course you can. But it's not as rich of an experience because, you know, you, you're going to have a little bit of difficult communicating, difficulty communicating with people. But... Your hotel, people are going to speak English. Like, you know what I mean? You can hire tour guides that speak English. So the thing is, if you are an English speaker, you're good. Like, that is a fact. You know what I mean? Again, when I was in Russia, I speak zero Russian. We got hand gestures. Like, (laughs) you know. You know what I mean? People, like, even if they're speaking in Russian and I'm speaking in English, I'm using my hands. I'm helping them understand, like, what, you know what I mean? So it's, for me, it's never been a challenge. You need to be confident, like, and in, in, um, patient, you know, and patient with yourself and patient with others. And just, like, it's funny. So in my book, um, I tell this really beautiful story, actually, about, um, that I heard from my driver in Russia, uh, because he said he travels with his wife. I was like, oh, does your wife speak and language other than Russian. He was like, no. I was like, so, oh, that must kind of be a burden for you when you're traveling and you always have to be the one translating. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, she's able to communicate. And I guess he he said, he asked her one time, like, how do you do that? And she said, because I communicate with my heart and not my mind. Mm-hmm. And so using that, it's like that human connection, you're always going to be able to express your needs to people. And people will always understand. We live in a global society. Like, if you have to pee and you're like, People right. are going to understand that you have to be if you're looking for food. Right. You know what I mean? So it's really about um, tapping into human nature and really thinking about all you're doing. Language is just a tool for communication. Mm-hmm. There's other ways to communicate. And so I think you just have to tap into that. Most of our communication is nonverbal. non-verbal. Exactly. It's so funny. Working um, in the school system, I would work with families sometimes where the parents came from Mexico, say, and they did not speak any English and the children did not speak any Spanish. And I was asking, well, how are you communicating with your children? How are they communicating with you when you can't understand one another? And they just said, we just figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so interesting to live in a home with a person mm-hmm. who you don't speak the same language as, mm-hmm. but for some reason you're able to be able to communicate. Yeah, but I think a lot of times they may not speak Spanish, but they understand it and vice versa. Well, so the in, parents... the, in these cases, they actually didn't. Mm, okay. Yeah, they didn't. They couldn't understand them. Mm. And so that's what made it very interesting to me because the, the children really couldn't understand the parents at all. Mm-hmm. And the parents can understand any English mm-hmm. at all. So yeah, sometimes there was like the husband may do some translating from, from mm-hmm. time to time. But just, you know, if he's not home or if there's an yeah. issue, you know, they, they couldn't communicate. Mm-hmm. And I found it to be very intriguing, but possible. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure possible. Yeah. <laughs> now tell me about your hair. My hair. Your hair. <laughs> my yeah. Hair. Your lack, my lack, lack of. 
Um, so my hair. Mm-hmm. So in 2008, um, February, I moved to Japan. Okay. And I was the girl who every week I had a 5 a.m. hair appointment. Every week you had a 5 a.m.? Yes. 5 a.m. Because I used to work corporate. So I had to get my hair done and then They're work. working at 5 a.m., the hairstylist? Yes. She wow. still does that. I saw her recently at my mom's 70th birthday party. And wow. I was like, you still doing those crazy points? She was like, I start at four now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And so I was that girl. I never did my own hair. Okay. So when I knew I was moving to Japan, I was like, oh, who's going to do my hair? What am I going to do? And then I didn't want to get braids. And then they start looking raggedy. And then I'm like, <laughs> Turn into then what do I do? You know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to just shave my head. Wow. And I remember it was maybe like five days before I moved. And I went to my friend who's a barber. And we shaved my head. What? 2008. You had no qualms about that. You were just like, no, I was just like, who's going to do my hair? I'm not. (laughs) You don't want to get a wig? Oh, no. No? I No, I'm not into wig. Okay. That is wig culture, I feel like, is way, it's like more recent. This was 2008. Mm. There wasn't really wig culture. I still don't think I would have done it. Mm -hmm. um, Because I was wearing like a short pixie cut anyway. So I didn't have that far to go. Okay. And yeah, people were like, oh, but your head is perfect. I was like, I didn't know what my head looked like. I don't know. I was just like, like, (laughs) who's going to do my hair? Not me. Wow. I didn't learn to cut my hair. And yeah, so I just cut it. I didn't have an attachment to hair. So. You're brave, though, because, I mean, it's not even about an attachment to hair. It's just looking so different without yes. hair. And when you don't have hair, you stand out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are trying to blend in, right? Yeah, I mean, so, look, I was going to Japan. I was going to stand out anyway, no matter what <laughs> I did. Because so here's the thing. And yeah, I agree. Like, it definitely is like, um, I'm dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of tall, taller than average. Um, I love to wear bright colors. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to struggle to blend in right. in most places. You know what I mean? Um, maybe like South Africa, I don't really stand out. <laughs> but like even in Uganda, adult women don't shave their heads. So I stand out in Uganda. So I stand out even, you know, in West Africa, mm-hmm. most adult women don't shave their head. No, not the adults. So globally, I'm just going to stand out anywhere I go. Mm-hmm. Um so I don't, I don't, I don't try to blend in because I can't really. <laughs> um, you weren't born to. Hmm? I was born not to. born to. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- <laughs> I was not born to blend in. So yeah, I, I heard that a lot. People were like, "Oh my god, you're so brave." I'm like, "Dang, y'all, real, the brave, 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 just- brave and bold, brave and bold." Because yeah. that that's not something most people are are willing to. do. Yeah, I know. Not I know. bald. Maybe like, you know, a TWA or just yeah, very yeah. short pixie cut, but not bald. I remember when I first did it, I used to always wear big earrings. I was like, oh my God, I don't yeah. want people to think I'm a boy. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm still straight. I'm not a lesbian. I just have short hair. <laughs> uh, you know, I had all these thoughts well, about because... how people would characterize me and people did, because people are like, oh, you must be strong or mm-hmm. you must be pro-black. I'm like, I mean, I love black people, <laughs> but you know what I mean? People are like, oh, she must have her house must smell like incense. Like, nah, but that's what people ascribe to this hairstyle. But now, I mean, 2008 was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing more women doing it, right? Like, obviously, Lupita, um, Cynthia Reeve, a lot of people are wearing their hair short now. Mm-hmm. Back then, it wasn't a thing because this was before Salon shaved her head. Mm-hmm. Um you could say I'm a trailblazer. <laughs> <laughs> I 
definitely. <laughs> I mean, you are a trailblazer. But I love it. It's so easy. And like, I get my hair cut every two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, during the pandemic, I grew it back and I had braids for a minute. That was nice. But then I shaved the braids off in a video that went viral on Instagram. Because instead of taking them down, I was you just like, like <laughs> No, it suits you. Because I saw pictures of you when you have hair. And I'm like, wow, she looks, it just, there's a different you know, vibe to it. So I definitely think this suits you. Now, when you stand out in other countries, how does that affect you? Because my husband recently visited China and I've had friends that have been, and there are a lot of stares that they were not prepared for. A lot of staring, a lot of admiration, but also depending on who the person was, uh, maybe like their size, like their weight or their height, Mm -hmm caused a lot of people to want to take pictures of them and things that they just were not prepared for when they were just focused on enjoying their vacation. Mm -hmm. So with your travels, how has you being a Black woman in places where maybe you're not used to seeing Black women, how has that experience been for you? Yeah, I mean, well, first I want to say every acknowledgement of your race isn't racism. Can you just go a little bit deeper into that (laughs) statement? It's a powerful statement. Yeah, every acknowledgement of your race isn't racism. Because I think, you know, unfortunately, America has conditioned Black people to call everything racist. Like, a lot. Not everything, but a lot of things racism. If someone is rude to you in another country, they're like, ah, they're racist. It's Mm -hmm. like, some people are just rude. (laughs) That's right. You know what I mean? It has nothing to do with the fact that you're Black. They're just a rude human. You know, and so, for me... I don't, I'm I'm not easily offended because sometimes I'm like, oh, you racist. Mm-hmm. Like, this is racism, right? For me, a lot of it comes into play at borders because I'm African. Like, I am African appearing. No one cares about my accent and no one even cares about my passport. And I have two passports. I have a Ugandan passport and American. People see that I am African and I am treated like that, which is less, I'm treated worse than a Black American is treated. You oh, know, really? I, oh, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Sorry. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Objectively speaking, it can be very bad. Because they assume that you're... They assume my U.S. passport is fake. If I'm using my Ugandan passport, they assume I'm going to overstay my visa. Oh, it's just wild. Like, you know, and I stay at a lot of <laughs> high-end places, and they're like, wait, what? What's going on? Why are you here? And it's like, yeah, I'm here. I paid. Mm-hmm. Like, my name's on the reservation, relax, Mm -hmm. you know, so I get a lot of maltreatment, but like a lot, it's not even that much. Like it's not enough that it's discouraged me from traveling. So yeah, for sure. Like Central Asia. So like Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Turkmenistan, like that, there was like Uzbekistan. I just remember I was with a friend traveling with a friend. He's black. He's dark skinned as well. He's very muscular. Mm -hmm. So it was like too much. Like they just kept taking pictures. I was like, all right, y'all like, you're putting me in a bad mood. <laughs> like, this is no longer enjoyable. You know, right. the first couple, you're like, okay, yeah, sure. I don't know where those pictures are going to end That's up. That's what I always wonder. What are they doing with these pictures? Well, I don't know what they're doing with them. I'm like, <laughs> I want to do a call. Like, can you please post any picture of me from any country in the world? Where? What is happening with? Is it where? I don't know. I have no idea. Does it just stay on the phone? They're do showing they, it to their friends. Yeah. Are they like, look, a black person? I don't know. Yeah. But here's the thing to remember: Black American culture specifically. Mm-hmm. I believe, is the most exported culture in the world. Like, if you look over time, you look at our icons, you look at sports, arts, music, everything. I say that all the time. Obama. Um, Literally the most exported culture in the world. So if someone sees a Black person, they're probably super excited. If you're in the countryside of Kyrgyzstan, 
they're just like, oh my God, I never thought I would see a black person in real life. Mm -hmm. So it can be bothersome. And I think you can politely say, no, you know, like learn in that language. No, no, please. No, thank you. Whatever. You can figure out how to do it. And I think try to be as polite as possible. Mm -hmm. Understanding that these are just people, they're like, they've never seen someone that looks like you. If you see someone walking down the street that looks crazy, you look because you've never seen that before. That is the same thing for them. Not to say you look crazy as a black person, but like you stand out to them because they've never seen it or they've seen it very rarely. So you have to understand that and have a little bit of grace. But to me, I have found most of the time it's not coming from a malicious place. Okay. So it can suck. I'm not going to lie. It gets really annoying. And I'm like, I'm going to just go back to the hotel because I can't deal with you people. Right. Um, but you, you know, you just... If you understand that it's, it's not coming from a place of malice, mm -hmm. then you can try to be like a little more graceful and like matrix your way out of that situation. <laughs> now, this question might be a little sensitive, and I, I don't know if you can even relate to this, depending on how your weight has fluctuated in your life. But I do know that some people who are heavier set mm -hmm. or who are obese mm -hmm. may struggle with that mm -hmm. because sometimes they feel like maybe the person is taking photos of them or is intrigued by them or mm -hmm. even maybe even making fun of them mm -hmm. because of their weight and they haven't seen that mm -hmm. in their mm -hmm. country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't have that personal experience. Um, but I have a friend. His name is Jeff Jenkins. And he is overweight. And he has an account called Chubby Diaries. And he helps in his words, helps chubby people travel the world. Oh, wow. And I love what he does because, you know, we talk about representation and people think it's just race. It's no. Not. Representation is anyone that you can open the door and see walking down the street, all of those people want to see people that look like them doing things that they want to do. Mm -hmm. And so I love what Jeff is doing. And the dope thing is he has a show coming out with National Geographic this summer. You know what I mean? And so he's really out here doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and I hope inspiring people who are overweight to feel more comfortable and know like the world is yours as well. The world belongs to all of us. It doesn't just belong to skinny people or fit people or active people. The world literally belongs to all of us. So you have to get out of your own way. You know, if people are making fun of you, it's, it, it sucks and it hurts and it hurts your feelings. Fuck them. Because now you're going to let those people control your life and what you're able to do in your life? No. And again, I think it's about getting more comfortable close to home. Go have dinner by yourself. Mm -hmm. Go to a park by yourself. Go to a hotel by yourself. Go to a spa by yourself. Go start doing things close to home by yourself because you deserve to live life as fully as all of us. So don't allow whatever your physicality is, whatever your race is, whatever your gender is, whatever your, you know, you might be non-binary, you might be trans, whatever it is, you can't let other people stop you from living your life. Fuck them. Period. This world does belong to you. Even the people who are poor. Because mm -hmm. I... That's one group that tends to feel like this world is not theirs. No, it's it belongs right? to all of us. And that's the thing. It's like, if you can't afford certain things, and that's what I kind of, I, uh, uh, I'm kind of frustrated with social media right now. Because I feel like social media is like, yeah, I'm a millionaire. Everybody million. No, everyone is not millionaires. Mm -hmm. They're fronting. And they're trying to make you feel bad about your life. And you don't need to feel bad about your life. Your life is your life. People always are like, oh my God, I want to be you when I grow up. No, you don't. Be you. Mm-hmm. 
Be you when you grow up. Stop trying to compare your life to other people. And remember, social media is a scam. (laughs) It's a scam. If we're being honest. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So stop scrolling and feeling bad. And if you keep doing that, delete the app. If it doesn't make you feel better about yourself, delete the app. I do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I look and people are at a party. I'm like, why didn't I get invited to the party? Why didn't I get this? Why didn't I? And I have so much. And it started to make me feel bad. I deleted my Instagram app because I said, you're not going to get me because I'm grateful for everything that I have. So I can't, and you can't stand in gratitude for what you have by looking at someone else's stuff and feeling like lack. And I think it's scarcity versus abundance mindset. But to me, you know, if you can't afford to do luxury things, who cares? Go do what you can't afford. The park is free. Mm-hmm. A walk along the river is free. You know, I mean, there's so many things. In a lot of cities, there's free days at museums or your museum is free. Go to the library. Read a book. <laughs> People don't read yeah. enough anymore. I read a lot. Like, I'm on my sixth book for the year, and it's mm, February. Wow. You know what I mean? Read a book. Mm-hmm. That's how I started traveling when I was little. That's it was the best through. way to travel. Shout out to Dr. Seuss. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know what I mean? So right. the world is yours, and there are things that you can access that don't cost money. Don't let social media make you feel like, I don't have enough money. I can't do these things. There's so much that you can do with little to no money. That's absolutely true. I had a point where I actually unfollowed every single person on my social media. My husband thought it was like crazy to do that, but I needed a reset. Mm -hmm. I needed to just cleanse my mind from Mm -hmm. the pollution that I was seeing because I was starting to feel that sense of like, why am I seeing all these things and feeling all these feelings? I mean, this is not how I'm supposed to feel. I want to curate what I see and the people will get over it mm-hmm. if I hadn't followed them. Oh, yeah. You know, they'll get, they'll, they'll be fine. Over it. And okay. that's the other thing. We have to stop worrying about other people's mm-hmm. thoughts and opinions about us and our lives. Yes. If you are that mad that I unfollowed you, fine. You still got my phone number. <laughs> like, I've literally had people tell me, well, why did you unfollow me? I said, why does that matter? They asked you. Oh, my God. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, but you have my phone number. Mm-hmm. You don't use my phone number. You never call me. You never contact me. Mm. But you concerned about whether or not I follow you? Mm-hmm. Get out of my face. <laughs> Thank you. So far, what has been your worst, relatively, mm-hmm. travel experience? Mm. Leaving Pakistan. Oh. Leaving. Leaving Pakistan was pretty traumatic. So, um, had a great time. Mm-hmm. Loved Pakistan. I was there solo. People took care of me. Like, it was amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely would go back. There's other parts of the country that I want to see. When I was leaving, um, so I flew into Islamabad. I was flying out of Lahore. I took a taxi from Islamabad to Lahore, which is probably like, I think, three or four hours. And um, when I was flying out of Lahore, I was flying back to New York through Doha. And uh, gets to the airport and, you know, a lot of countries, there's like security before you get in to check in. Mm -hmm. That's pretty common outside of the U.S. So I go through, they scan my bags, they take my bags and, you know, they're going through it. I'm chilling. I'm like, I'm on my phone. It's like two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, whatever. Mm -hmm. So I see they're like really going through my bags. And I was like, can I help you? Like, let's speed this up because... My flight leaves in an hour. And, you know, y'all are taking a long time. I'm like, can I have... They're like, no. I'm like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Minding my business. So then um, they're like, can we have your passport? Sure. Give me my passport. You know, like, please come over, whatever. I'm just like... Oh. 
Um, and then they they start asking me questions. They're like, oh, what were you doing here? I'm like, you know, tourism, whatever. You're traveling alone. Yes. Well, why are you flying out of Lahore when you flew into Islamabad? I was like, why would I go back to Islamabad when there's a flight from here to New York? But, um, you know, so they're just asking me questions. They're like, do you have another passport? I'm like, mm-mm. Did I? Yes. I had another <laughs> That's none of their business. Um, and Which passport did you give them? You're I gave right? them an American passport, okay. which had my Pakistani visa in it. Okay. So there was no reason for me to give them my Uganda passport or to share with them that right. I had it. Right. So I'm like, all right. You know, they bring out all these other people. I'm like, okay, let's just get to it. Mm-hmm. So then they're like, all right, we have to to an x-ray. I was like, an x-ray? What? So this is not a metal detector. This is a medical grade x-ray. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening? I was like, why are you putting me in an x-ray? And they said, sometimes people put the drugs in their stomach. Oh, I was like, are you serious? I said, what? You think I'm a drug mule? What? Okay. So I'm like, you know, because it's authorities and I'm like, oh my God. So they put me in an x-ray and I'm just like, this is wild. Now, here's the thing. I know the universe is always protecting me. So I get through that. Now, the day, a couple days before I was at this border event, it's called Wagga Border. And there's literally thousands of people. And I remember seeing this black guy there because mm-hmm. There were no black people. But I remember seeing him. We didn't speak. We didn't do the head nod. But I remember seeing him. Okay. He was at the airport that day. And I saw him. And he was with his Pakistani-American friends. So I saw them. They saw me. And he was getting a little bit harassed. And and they could, like, I was just like, okay. So I get through. Finally, they let me go to check in. And people are checking in. They were so rude to me. I was the last person to check in. They were, like, yelling at me. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I meet these guys and they were like, oh, we saw you at the thing. And I was like, I know. And it was just nice to like have some people Mm -hmm. speaking English and like to get that little Mm -hmm. bit of comfort. So then we go through security. So then I go through security, get through immigration. And like in Muslim countries, typically there's a room that women go through security in so that it's not out in the open. So I go into the little room and the woman is like patting me down. Then she makes me spread my legs and she gropes my vagina. And I, at this point, I'm in tears because I'm just like, oh my God, like, what the fuck? You know, it, it was just bad. And so I see them and I'm like, I was probably going to melt into a puddle of tears. And like, just being with them, they like got me something to drink and, you know, they were just talking to me. And, and you know, I'm just so grateful for like humanity because in the universe for bringing people to me when I need them because like I needed to feel comforted. You know what I mean? And like, I didn't have friends there, but like immediately... They just made me feel comforted. And so it was horrible. And, you know, you can see it was like super traumatic. Um, And it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And the thing is, like, now that isn't a condemnation of Pakistan. Of course not. I I recognize that governments and the people exist on separate planes. Mm -hmm. And that... You know, apparently there's like a West African drug trade flowing through Pakistan, which I found out later. And, you know, again, people make all these assumptions. No one cares that I have an American accent because that's the thing. People be like, yeah, you're African, but you're, you know, you you were born in the U.S. You have an American passport. I said, the world does not see me as that. They don't give a shit. I gave them an American passport and they said, do you have another passport? Is it because of your features and your hair? Yeah, it's just like, it's like you're African. And then when, (laughs) right, right. Yeah, it's. 
I'm thinking about like Black Panther, right? The mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And you see the warriors. And it's mm-hmm. like, this is this like is a the... stereotype of an African. I remember one time I landed in Ghana and one of the immigration officers was like, look at you, you African princess. And I'm like, <laughs> even to other Africans, right. I'm stereotypically African. Right. You know? Right. And right. so mm-hmm. for better or worse, mm-hmm. that's how the world sees me. And it's fine, right? Right. I could change it. I could like wear a wig mm-hmm. or, you know, grow my hair, wear but I could change it, but I don't want to. Mm-hmm. I am fine with the world seeing me as an African. Yeah, I mean, that's what you are. Right. It's what I am. It's what I love to be. Right. It's, it's yeah. And, and I like that I can take up space looking the way that I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It means something. And I hope that women see me and see me being confident like this and feel more confident themselves. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm really sorry that that happened. That's awful. And just feeling like you don't have any like comfort in that moment or you don't have anyone to protect you in that moment. But I, you know, I am thankful that God brought you those people to Mm -hmm. at least as soon as you see someone that you recognize and that it's like, oh, you know, you just feel safe and at home and you needed that. And I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm thankful that you had that because things like that are awful. People it's, who have experienced trauma, you know, having someone touch you like, I mean, those things are awful. You have no idea what that person can experience after an experience like yeah, that. You know? Exactly. So and I think, and, and like, I think the important lesson here is human connection. Mm-hmm. I did not know those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I saw them. They had seen me. I didn't know they saw me. And because of how you look, too, to be honest. I stood out. You stood out. And you were easily recognizable and memorable mm-hmm. for them to recognize Exactly. Because they were like, oh, you were at the... I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. you were at the... Mm-hmm. And so I think, like, we have to remember, like, yes, strangers exist. Mm-hmm. But we're all living and we're, I, you know, believe we're all spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm-hmm. And so we can't... Like, that human connection is real. And I hope that people can tap into that with strangers a lot more. Because I believe, like, the world is our neighborhood, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's not like, oh, them versus us. It's like, nah, we're all in it together. Mm -hmm. You know, the planet is real mad at us right now. And people aren't making adjustments because they feel like, well, I live in this country and it's fine. Like, and you're not worried about the countries where the water, the Mm -hmm. tides are rising, but the sea level is rising. Mm -hmm. But it's like, we're all in this together. And I think for me, that experience is that reminder of like, I don't have to know you to be to be connected to you. Yes. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. Let me I'm gonna wrap it up. I have some okay. rapid questions to ask you. Um, okay. So Jessica, I have some rapid fire questions. I love rapid fire. <laughs> okay. So you're ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. If you had not been to every country in the world, Choose one of the following. Visit every country in the world or go to space and land on the moon once. Nah, visit every country. (laughs) I'm going to go visit. You made a a statistic about that, right? Like, less. Yeah. More people have been to outer space than to every country in the world. That is so crazy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Would you rather be able to understand and speak every language in the world or be able to teleport anywhere at any time? teleport would you rather travel first class everywhere but only stay at two-star hotels or stay in five-star hotels but fly in a middle class seat or economy every time you fly oh (laughs) my god 
awful, right? <laughs> I really don't know. You don't know? What would you have to... It's rapid fire, so I you gotta think, tell me. Shit, flying. You'd rather fly, first class? No, I think I'd rather fly economy. Okay. I'd rather fly economy yeah. and stay in five-star hotel. Because you're staying at the hotel longer. Because two stars? Nah. <laughs> mm, nope. Dang. And a middle seat? Jesus Christ. Okay, yeah, I'm flying economy. <laughs> wow, that hurt my feelings. Mm-hmm. Top five African countries, top five European countries, or top five Asian countries? Top five African countries. Mm-hmm. Top three countries with the best food? Yeesh. Okay. In no particular order. No. We're going to go Italy. Senegal. Japan. Nice. Would you rather stay in an overwater bungalow or a luxury mountain cabin? Overwater bungalow. Mm-hmm. Top five must-haves for Jessica while traveling. Uh, Noise-canceling headphones. Uh, my phone or some sort of camera. Okay. Um, probably... Okay, I can write. I was like, I was gonna say journal, but I can write a book. I usually have a book. Mm-hmm. Um, a water bottle. I usually have a water bottle with me, and um, good luggage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we underestimate <laughs> the value of good luggage. Good luggage. Would you rather live in New York for a year or live in London for a year? Uh, I'd like another year in London. So I've lived in, I actually have lived in New York for almost four years and I lived in London oh. for a year. I would take another year in London. Okay. Would you rather end all wars or fix world hunger? Yeah. Dang, this is bad. <laughs> I know. I think, okay, I'm going to go end all wars because I feel like ultimately the ending of war will help lead to the end of world hunger. Okay. Would you rather never travel ever again or never be able to spend longer than three months in one city? I would rather never be able to spend longer than three months in one city. Okay. Would you rather only be able to travel with carry-on for the rest of your life or have to always travel with two big suitcases, even for short trips? I would always travel with two big suitcases. <laughs> Carry-on life is overrated. What are y'all doing with the extra time? <laughs> I don't mind sitting at the belt and waiting for my bag. <laughs> Me either. I don't know why people are so obsessed with that. Would you rather be able to travel whenever and wherever you want, but only be able to travel solo? Or go on one dream honeymoon with your life partner and then never be able to travel again. <laughs> it's me and me. <laughs> going solo. Like, oh, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Would you rather go back to your favorite five countries over and over again, but never go anywhere else? Or never be able to return to a country you've already visited? Favorite five. Dang. That's so mean. I know. Favorite five, though. If time wasn't an issue, would you rather travel by ship, train, or by plane? You got there at the same time. Ship, plane, train. Maybe ship. Mm-hmm. Would you rather go into the past and meet your ancestors or go into the future and meet your great-grandchildren? Ancestors. Which country would you rather visit, Italy or Greece? Italy. Would you rather book a pre-made travel tour or build your own itinerary from scratch? Build my own. 100%. Would you rather be able to fly or teleport? Teleport. Would you rather visit India or China? 
India. Would you rather visit Brazil or Mexico? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good one. You Brazil. That's a good one. That, <laughs> those are those are like neck and neck. Brazil, though. <laughs> a very neck and neck. Would you rather visit Ghana or Nigeria? Oh, now look. Mm-mm. This is not a competition. <laughs> the smoke that I am not interested in. <laughs> I set you up, huh? <laughs> God. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jessica. <laughs> she had to say it because I'm right here. I don't, I don't, we she had to say it because I'm right here. The, <laughs> the Nigerians are so over me at this point. And it's not that I don't... Nigeria, look, I love y'all. But I the Nigerians Nigeria. love Ghana. I know. They love Ghana. I, I love Lagos. Like, mm-hmm. I love it. I love Nigerians, too. Yeah. They're so nice. Yeah. Well, thank you so it's much, Jessica, fun. for being here. I really appreciate your time and just inspiring all of us to be able to do the things that we dream about doing. And traveling is such a blessing. And I'm thankful that you, sitting here, are the first Black woman to do it fully. Where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, at Jessica Nabongo, all over the internet. Buy my book, The Catch Me If You Can. <laughs> Wonderful. So thank you, and thank you all for watching. Bye.